Someone who wants to do everything will attract someone who wants to do nothing. We think about ourselves a lot at the end of relationships or during relationships, and that's definitely important and a huge part of the work. But at the same time, it's also important to look at the dynamic overall, right? So if you were someone that was waiting to jump into every problem, was waiting for things to go wrong, was waiting to take control of the situation, was waiting to do it your way, then of course the other person is going to be someone who is willing to let that happen, willing to step aside and say, yeah, you got this, you take control. And so there is that dynamic there that definitely comes into play. And that's also something to be aware of when you are looking at new partners or getting into a relationship down the line. Welcome to Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast, where we explore how different areas of our life affect our self-worth and how to build and maintain our sense of self-worth. My name is Roshni and I am a self-worth life coach. I help my clients discover their worth so they can stop holding back and start taking control of their lives full force. You can find my other free content under the name Betty Grew Up, that's B-E-T-I Grew Up, on Instagram and YouTube, and you can sign up for my free newsletter at BettyGrewUp.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to a brand new podcast episode. I am so, so excited to be back and recording a new episode. I wanted to get this episode out much sooner, but my laptop totally crashed and it was gone for about two and a half weeks and now it is back with a brand new hard drive, so things are all good, but it definitely delayed my ability to record and put out podcasts, so I do apologize for the delay on that. But I am so excited to get into today's juicy new episode. So at the end of my podcast episodes, I usually offer you all the opportunity to email me a question or a situation that you'd maybe like some guidance around. And one of my listeners did reach out to me on Instagram. And by the way, if you want to submit a question or some sort of area that you want me to kind of talk about, then you can always do so through either my Instagram DMs or my email. So my Instagram handle is at B-E-T-I grew up. That's Betty grew up. And my email is Betty grew up at gmail.com. So feel free to um, email me or DM me at any time with any questions that you may have. And in other news, the question that this person sent me, the listener did want to remain anonymous, so I won't be using their name, but I will go ahead and read out the question for you all. I thought this was such a great question and would be such a good way to get into this topic of relationships and love and self-worth because they are so, so intertwined. But Other than the episode that I did before, I do want to make a lot more content around this because there's so much to be said, but it's a little bit difficult for me just to give general advice, I think, because there's so many different situations and it can range all the way from like toxic or truly abusive relationship situations all the way to things that are, you know, much more lighthearted. And so the advice that you would need to give in those two situations are really, really different, and I try not to give general advice that is harmful in any way. And so so obviously because of that, having a question or kind of having an area around like a situation that we're talking about is really, really helpful so that I can kind of meter my advice around that. But this was a really good question, so I'm going to take a little bit, so I'm going to take a quick sip of tea and then we'll jump into it. By the way, it is just the most beautiful spring evening. I'm watching the sunset from my balcony. I have a beautiful cup of black tea next to me and a candle burning. And my dog is laying in the distance. So this is just the coziest, sweetest way to record this podcast. But anyways, let's just go ahead and jump into this question. What they sent in said they would love a podcast that discusses one-sided relationships and how to heal from a partner that doesn't want long-term investment. And so when I asked for a little bit of more detail, they said that there was a relationship that lasted for a little over a year but was never defined as such and always took the backseat to everything in his life. This person said they would have done anything for him, gotten out of 
her way for him, and although they had an incredible connection while they were together, she would go days and days without hearing from him. He met her family, but his family didn't know she existed. He was all she thought about, and eventually she felt that she had lost herself. And so they wanted to kind of have some information on why we allow unhealthy relationships to go on and how to kind of work on implementing boundaries with men. And then in parentheses says that you wish you could spend every every waking moment with. So um, there's definitely so much to get into here. And thank you so, so much for submitting this question. Seriously, I genuinely really, really appreciate it. And I just love hearing from you. I don't really get to hear from you, especially listeners on a podcast. It's so different from Instagram or YouTube where you can comment or like or, you know, send me a message. And so I feel like this is the most distant but yet the most intimate way of talking with you all. So if you ever even want to just say hi or tag me and um, show me that you're listening, I would just love to interact with you or say thank you. But anyways, so let's go ahead and dive into some of the limiting beliefs that we can see here. So what I kind of want to do in terms of the structure of this podcast episode is talk about some of the limiting beliefs that may resonate for someone in this situation and then also kind of talk about the overall themes here. So then we'll kind of scale out. And then from there, I also wanted to share some action steps, some rituals, some journal prompts, and some affirmations to kind of help you just heal from and grow from this situation. Here are some of the limiting beliefs that I picked up on just from listening to this question. So the first one is, I don't deserve a good partner. I don't deserve a loving partner. I don't deserve a kind and caring partner. The second limiting belief that I heard is, relationships are difficult. The third one is, I have to invest more energy than I'm getting in order to be loved. The fourth one is, I'm not worthy of a healthy relationship. Number five, it's my job to keep the relationship together. Number six, I'm responsible for my partner's actions and reactions. Number seven, if my partner isn't fulfilling my needs, it's my fault. And the first thing that I want to say is, in your question, you did say that you are healing from this situation. So I just want to say I'm so, so proud of you for A, doing the work and asking these questions in the first place and really doing what you need to do to help put yourself back together and and grow and learn before you jump into another relationship. And so I'm really, really proud of you for that. And just to remind you that you did have the strength to walk away, right? Because so many of us, whether it's with a romantic partner or not, when we're in these kind of difficult or toxic situations, it can be really easy to kind of overlook the strength that we have in those situations. And so many times we maybe stand up for ourselves or cut that person off or, you know, set boundaries. And even if they don't listen afterwards, you still took that step to put it out there, right? And you still took that step to claim something better for yourself or to say like, I deserve better. I deserve more. So I just wanted to acknowledge your strength and just say that I really admire you for that before we get into it. All right. The first thing that I really want to say in terms of the themes that I kind of notice here is number one, first and foremost, everything that we do tends to to serve us in some way or another. Even if emotions or things are unpleasant, they still develop, they still are there, they still become familiar patterns because there's some sort of safety that we find in them, right? So if someone has kind of got in this sad rut and they know that they need to break out of it and they're bored and they're lonely, it can still be difficult to break out of that rut because it's your rut, right? It's your familiar thing. It's your habits and your patterns that you do and they have kept you safe for so long and so it can be really difficult to part with them, right? And that's kind of what it's like with any sort of coping mechanism. So there was one thing in the question that really stood out to me. It was where she said, eventually I felt like I had lost myself. And then she also said that she would have done anything for him, gone out of her way for him, etc. 
there is this tendency to lose yourself, right? And so what's important there is that it may serve you to focus on someone else's problems because then you can ignore your own. And I know that kind of can be a harsh statement to say, but at the same time, we all kind of have this level of being a people pleaser or being having this kind of fixer-upper energy towards other people where we essentially want to solve all of their problems, but it's at the expense of us giving ourselves the time, the attention, the self-care we need. And so because of that, we can feel useful, we can feel helpful, we can feel like we're doing something right instead of something wrong. We can feel like we're selfless instead of selfish, but at the same time, we know that there's a part of us that feels very, very neglected and that feels very kind of unheard and abandoned, right? And so being in these patterns that cause you to continuously lose yourself, essentially continue to prevent you from actually having to address the pain or the frustrations that you're feeling. So understanding and even recognizing that this may be a coping mechanism and there may be part of you that hides by kind of hiding in others or taking on others' problems is really important so that you can start to kind of detach yourself from the lives of other people, from the results of what's going on in their lives, right? And I truly know the feeling of feeling like everything someone else does is your fault or that only you can make them happy or that you are more qualified or understand how to do more and so you have to help them. But the thing is, something else that's really important to remember, even when someone genuinely does need help, whether it's a romantic partner or not, it's that they need to be able to make those decisions on their own. And if you're helping someone and kind of doing things for them, over time that just becomes enabling, right? And so we don't want to get into that space with anyone in our lives, let alone a romantic partner. And that's why it's really important to maintain your own boundaries and continue to allow yourself to kind of disconnect from the results and from the issues in other people's lives and just kind of return back to what you have and what's on your plate, but that also is definitely the more difficult thing to do. It's a lot harder to look at what you have in the mirror and feel completely responsible for picking yourself back up or feel responsible for things that may have happened in the past, right? And so so I do want to say quickly here that this is where forgiveness comes in, right? You have to forgive yourself and you do have to forgive others. What is happening in your life right now and what you want your future to be is your responsibility. But that doesn't mean that the trauma that has happened to you or other things happening to you in your past that aren't great, that doesn't mean that that is your fault, right? You do have responsibility over the present and the future, but the past and others' actions are not your fault and you didn't cause them to happen and you didn't deserve those for those things to happen. Right. So I do want to make that abundantly clear. Um, but talking more about this need to kind of fix other people and kind of putting your own problems aside, a really good question to ask yourself here is why do I feel emotionally responsible for someone else? And where does that come from? And the thing is, for a lot of us, that most likely comes from something that may have happened when you were younger or even in your childhood. So you may be able to kind of immediately pinpoint a situation or a relationship with the parent that made you feel responsible for someone else's emotions. Or maybe it was, you know, one particular incident that happened that kind of made you take that on. But if you've experienced a parent relying on you emotionally or maybe having to be a caretaker for other siblings when you were just a child yourself, um, situations like that can really ingrain it in you that you are responsible for someone else. And that is really difficult to go through. And so when we're adults, we look for ways to recreate that situation. And again, we go for what's familiar, not what's always good for us or not what we always need, right? And so if that's a pattern that you can recognize in your life from childhood or 
or from a specific incident, it could be kind of your coping mechanism to continue to return to that familiar pattern. And what's also important here is that someone who wants to do everything will attract someone who wants to do nothing, right? So we think about ourselves a lot at the end of relationships or during relationships, and that's definitely important and a huge part of the work. But at the same time, it's also important to look at the dynamic overall, right? So if you were someone that was waiting to jump into every problem, was waiting for things to go wrong, was waiting to take control of the situation, was waiting to do it your way, then of course the other person is going to be someone who is willing to let that happen, right? Willing to step aside and say, yeah, you got this, you take control. And so there is that dynamic there that definitely comes into play. And that's also something to be aware of when you are looking at new partners or getting into a relationship down the line. And opening up to a new relationship, to new circumstances, it also means releasing, right? So when you are that person that's ready to step in, you're ready to also take control of the situation. And things are more comfortable when they're in your control. And this is also something that frequently happens with, you know, children who had to be caretakers of other siblings or children who were emotionally responsible for their parents' emotions or kind of wore that burden on themselves. This is something that we often feel. We feel like we're so used to being in control. We're so used to having to be in control that now that's all we know how to do. And the only way that we know how to make sense of things is when we're the ones doing everything because no one was there doing it for us. We had to do it all for someone else, right? We had to always be on and always be in control and always be ready to jump in and solve an emergency. And that's what, you know, trauma can feel like. It feels like you're always in that survival mode and you're always having to be ready to run or ready to make the next move. And that's really difficult, right? But when we're so used to being in that position of controlling, it becomes really, really difficult and really foreign to us for us to release control. Even in kind of a lighthearted example, if you are someone that wants to control everything in a relationship dynamic, maybe you want to control every date and make sure you're going to the right restaurant and you know what kind of outfit to wear. You don't want to be surprised and so you want everything to feel great. But then after a while, you start to feel resentful because you can't be swept off your feet and nothing romantic is happening. Your partner's not whisking you off or taking you on a surprise date, right? But then in order to be surprised, you have to be willing to let go of where you're going and what you're doing. You have to be willing to let go of what you're going to wear and whether your outfit is going to go with the activity that you're doing or the place that you're eating, right? It's a lot of fear can go into releasing control. And that's just obviously the tiniest example. So when you change that and overlay that same dynamic on top of larger situations like buying a house or getting married or, you know, getting engaged, you can see how many problems can really arise from this kind of situation. And the thing is, no one can wear the burden of a relationship all the time. No one person can wear the burden of both person's life at one time. And so if your partner eventually isn't picking up the slack, you are going to get resentful and you are going to feel awful. And yet, all of the times that they have let you down or something has happened, if you've jumped in and kind of solved the situation or told them that you got it or, you know ended up fixing things for them, then they don't have any reason to stop. Again, that series of constantly jumping in to fix it can end up turning into an enabling pattern. And control is also this coping mechanism that can really fuel isolation, right? Because you're not opening yourself up to a two-way relationship. And that's exactly what the listener said. They called it a one-way relationship. And so if you are trying to control everything, if you're trying to fix everything, then obviously it's going to feel one-sided. And that is, and again, I'm not calling the listener per se controlling, but I'm saying that the control can be a factor of wanting to lose yourself in somebody else. And that can all kind of spill out in this way. 
But to truly be in this two-sided relationship, you both have to be willing to let go and you also have to learn how to receive, right? And it can be really difficult to receive, again, when you have those childhood wounds around having to take care of everyone else or having to control things or being responsible for things that maybe you were too young to be responsible for. But receiving is something that you can work towards. And that feeling that you have of not being enough is so deep that it creates this feeling of spinning out, right? And just trying to control everything because we don't feel safe. And so when you're really thinking about what age you were when maybe some of these wounds started to appear, if you ever felt neglected as a child, or if you didn't feel emotionally heard or seen as a child, a lot of those feelings are such deep and raw feelings of not feeling like you are enough, of feeling like you are not worthy to be loved, or you are just unloved, period. That can come from this place of just feeling like you have absolutely no safety in the world, right? And again, what I always say in this podcast, what all humans need is to be loved, to be seen, and to be heard. And so when you take one of those core three away, that feeling automatically begins in the person of not being safe, of just feeling like you are completely in danger and completely isolated, right? And that isolation also kind of comes from this innate human need to be connected, right? If you think about how humans have lived and been able to survive and evolve all of these years, it's because we were able to stick together. So something that that differs in humans from other mammals is that we were, are able to heal from broken bones. And the only way that we can do that is if other humans are willing to stick around long enough for it to heal and for us to get better and other mammals don't do that. And so to really think about humans in this deep-seated way of our survival being completely engulfed in this need for community and this need to be connected and then having that ripped away from you at such a young age or feeling abandoned, feeling neglected, feeling like you are responsible for everyone else but no one's taking care of you, those cause some of the deepest wounds that are so raw that you can't really even put them into words, right? And so your whole existence becomes this race of just spinning out and trying to do something that makes you feel safe or trying to grab onto someone and then losing that and trying to grab onto another opportunity or another person and losing that. And we, again, we recreate these patterns and we find these ways to just feel unsafe because that's the most core feeling that we have. That's the feeling that we are the most connected with, right? And it's, it's honestly truly heartbreaking when you really think about it and no one deserves to feel this alone and no one deserves to feel like they're in this much pain right and so um i mean this is why i do what i do right <laughs> this is why self-worth is so so important and it is so so core it's not just this airy intellectual thing it is like one of the deepest emotions that we truly feel in our body and so when you think about the process of rebuilding it really comes down to making yourself feel safe again and being able to create that feeling of safety within yourself and so the first thing i want to talk about is really adopting this mode of the observer and the observer is something i've actually talked about this I did a series of Instagram Lives uh, recently, and this was a theme that came up in the Instagram Lives almost every single day. Um, and if you are interested in, in hanging out with me live or um, seeing tarot readings from me and all of that, definitely head over to my Instagram. Link will be in the show notes. But I've been talking about this idea and this feeling of being the observer, and that is essentially observing your thoughts without shame or judgment. And that can be definitely a little bit difficult, but it is so, so possible. And the more that I've done this and every time I continue to do this, it is so profoundly impactful on my healing. And so what the observer does is they just take note of the emotions that are coming up for you and the thoughts that are getting come that are coming up for you, right? So if you are, and it's so important to do this because all of these thoughts are just giving you information on what your subconscious truly feels. And a lot of the time they're really ugly and they are really painful or hurtful or just mean to ourselves. And it's understandable why, you know, we'd want to push them down or push them away or just never 
think about them, but taking on the observer role really means that you kind of leave all of that judgment and that shame behind, and instead you're kind of taking on the perspective of, oh, isn't it interesting that I feel this way, right? Isn't it interesting that my thoughts are telling me that I don't deserve to be in a relationship or that I'll always be alone? And when you release the shame or judgment around those very charged emotions and thoughts, it becomes a lot easier to be able to change them or to be able to see them as something that doesn't have to be believed every time, right? And again, not every one of our thoughts is true either, but when we're in that really emotionally charged space, it definitely feels like it is true. And our thoughts will also continue to change and evolve in order to keep us safe, right? So so taking on the observer role and kind of leaving that shame and judgment behind is so important because you can get the information that you need from your thoughts, you can start to identify your thoughts and get familiar with what's going on without having to believe every single one of the thoughts, right? Without having to feel like they're all true because you're not getting sucked into the feelings of and the thoughts of, oh, I'm always going to be lonely. Oh, I'm always going to be abandoned. Instead, you're just kind of sitting back and saying, oh, that's interesting that I feel like you know, I'll be alone when I've always had people in my life who care about me. Oh, that's interesting that I have this fear of being abandoned, but I can choose who I want to keep around in my life, right? And so you can really start to kind of sit back and observe these thoughts and get familiar with them. And the reason that you do want to, in a way, draw them close and in a way get kind of familiar with what's going on is so that you can recognize them when they come back or when they morph, right? Like maybe you can heal past a lot of this when you're single, but then you go on that first date with someone new you're excited about and a lot of these thoughts can rush back, right? And that's not your fault. That's just how humans work, that's how our brains work, that's how our egos want us to continue to stay small so that we feel safe. And again, this always comes back to that feeling of safety. But when we're able to kind of put that aside and just start to observe these things, we can start to recognize, okay, I'm going to be going on my first date today since this last relationship. It's going to be difficult, but I just need to remember that I am not going to be alone and I need to choose what I want to believe, what I want to align with. I want to choose the energy and kind of the mood that I'm going into this date with at the very least, right? And so recognizing and observing that, you can kind of pause those thoughts and choose the slightly next better feeling, even if you're not, like, it's probably going to be rare for you to go from, oh my god, I'm so sad, I'm going to be alone, I'm feeling so abandoned, all the way to, I'm so freaking excited about everything that's going to happen. Like, that's a, that's a big jump, and it may not be that way, but it's okay to go from that place of being like, oh my god, I'm so alone, to moving up to just, oh, isn't it interesting that I feel this way? That kind of sucks, but now I'm just like irritated, right? And that kind of moves the emotions along and kind of helps you choose the next best thing without having to believe and get sucked into all of these emotions. So without observing what your emotions are, what those thoughts are that try to convince you to play small, you wouldn't be able to recognize them when they do come up at a later time or when they do come up and you're getting caught off guard, right? And this is the other thing about personal growth is so much of the time it's taught as, you know, you're meditating, you're journaling, you're writing. But the reason that personal growth matters is for those moments when you feel out of control or for those moments when you are about to react or blow up in someone's face or you're about to freak out. That's when it's really important in all that work journaling or all that time you take to understand yourself, to tell yourself these affirmations. It feels that much closer, right? It's like it personal growth truly is a muscle that you are building over time. And so when you build it, when you are doing well, or when you're having good days, it's that much stronger for when you need to reach for it and exercise that muscle when you're feeling down. And that's why it's so important, again, to return to that for those moments that you feel like you're out of control. But going back to 
what can continue to help you feel safe. I also want to talk about inner child healing, right? So much of this conversation has been returning to these very core emotions, core wounds, and experiences that likely have happened in childhood. And so all of us have some sort of inner child wounding, right? Even if we had lovely, exciting, beautiful childhoods, even if we love our parents, we've all had things happen to us that maybe even wasn't to do with our parents. Maybe it was, but at some point we've had situations where we didn't feel good, where we felt lost or confused or sad. And so we can continue healing that inner child within us by paying attention to our emotions and kind of letting them surface, right? Letting them be soothed. And so when it comes to inner child healing, I mean, there is so much. I could actually do a whole, I could do a lot of content on inner child healing. And I actually have some content that I have planned to talk about this because there's so much here. And this is one of my absolute favorite things to do. And one of the things that has made such a big difference when it comes to managing my emotions, managing my anxiety, and keeping myself feeling safe and happy. And so, okay, so just a quick overview. There are inner child healing meditations on YouTube for free. There are visualizations that you can do. Um, I love kind of picturing a time that I felt wounded or that I felt upset and that I feel okay to revisit. So it won't necessarily be like the most traumatic events, but sometimes it's just a very small time that I felt alone at a, as a child, or maybe even um, a time that someone forgot to pick you up or was late picking you up and you just felt so, so awful. So kind of picturing that and visualizing that memory, um, what you were wearing, how you felt, and then picturing yourself as an adult walking into the situation and you know, just holding you and letting you know exactly what you needed to hear in that moment, or maybe even fulfilling and creating something new in that moment, right? So maybe you come in as this cool adult and you say to this child whose parent is late to pick them up, like, and so you can kind of visualize yourself as an adult walking in and saying exactly what you would want to say to this child and what your inner child wanted to hear, right? So you can say, I'm so, so sorry that, that they're late. You have a right to be upset, but I'm here now and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to make you feel safe. And maybe you want to give them a big, big hug or kiss them on the cheek or whatever, you know, feel safe and right in the moment. And maybe you want to take their hand and say, hey, let's go out for ice cream or hey, let me take you to your favorite place. And, you know, just kind of rebuilding these memories and allowing those parts of you that felt so forgotten but were so wounded Allowing them to be heard is so important and is so valuable when it comes to inner child healing. And so another example that I want to talk about when it comes to inner child healing, while the visualizations and meditations I personally love and I think are amazing, a little bit more of a practical approach is just allowing yourself to feel the emotions that you feel in the moment, right? So say you're having a good day and then the next day in the morning you just, you feel awful, you don't want to get out of bed, you get out of bed and you just look in the mirror and you just feel drained and then all of a sudden the negative thoughts are starting to arrive, right? It can start from you look awful today all the way going to, you know, no one's going to love you. This is why people don't want to be around you. You're such a mess. You're so lazy. I mean, we all know how it goes, right? The thoughts can really come in and beat down hard on us and that's so, so difficult. And so what you want to do in those moments is I like to just put my hands on my chest. I'm actually doing that now because it just, it makes me feel good, but maybe you want to wrap yourself in a hug. Maybe it's, you know, it's really comforting for you to just lay down for a few minutes um, on your bed or somewhere that you feel safe or wrap yourself in a blanket and just say, you know, just, uh, and just allow yourself to feel. And this is where you really want to actively let go of the shame and the judgment. So any thoughts that are saying, you know, God, I'm such a mess for crying. I'm so, you know, stupid for feeling angry. I'm so dumb for, you just want to let that kind of melt away and just let that go. Like you are not bad for having emotions. We have been conditioned to think that emotions are bad, but emotions are a very beautiful part of being alive. And it's not just a human experience. We all know animals that have emotions or what a dog looks like when it's happy or sad. And 
we all have a right to feel these emotions, right? We wouldn't judge any other creature and most other people for the emotions that they have. And so it's so important to give yourself those gentle reminders in the moment and just remind yourself like, hey, what you're doing is okay. You're not doing anything wrong and you're allowed to let it out. And I'm going to hold space for you to allow this emotion to arise. And so you just want to allow yourself to really feel the feeling. And if you're sad, let yourself cry. Like let yourself just sob and be okay with it, right? If you are angry, then let yourself be angry. And the thing is, we've again been taught so much fear around our emotions, so much self-judgment, so much shame around the fact that we just have emotions that even in the middle of crying, sometimes we'll be like, God, why am I crying? Like, literally, like as we're wiping our tears away. And it's nothing to be ashamed of, truly. But what this does by just allowing the emotions to arise, by literally physically holding yourself and saying, I will hold space for you to feel this, you are healing all of those old residual wounds bit by bit, right? As they arise, as they get triggered, these emotions are reactions to how a small part of you feels, whether it's subconscious, whether it's your inner child, this is coming from a deep place and it wouldn't be coming out if it wasn't there to begin with, right? And so the wounds that will come up as time goes on won't hit that core, right? Sometimes they do. Sometimes things can happen like grief and other things like that that can really hit you. But from what I've learned in my personal healing experience, while I do have very real wounds and I still am working through deep-seated limiting beliefs in many areas, so much of the pain and the wounding and the emotions that I'm able to release now aren't so tied to that deep, deep wound that it is painful for me to let them out. You know what I mean? Like that heaviness in the chest. I don't experience that quite as much, but it's because I gave years to just allowing those feelings to come out in whatever ways they needed to, whether that was just allowing myself to like eat a favorite childhood snack and just watch TV or have cereal and watch TV on a Saturday morning or, you know, whether that was actually sobbing and being very, very upset and really realizing and grieving what I had or didn't have in my childhood, right? And so there can be extremes to this, but it's still all very important. And one aspect of inner child healing isn't more important than the other. So if you're healing, instead of being sad looks more like allowing yourself to go back and rewatch some of your favorite cartoons or getting yourself, you know, a pizza once a week or doing whatever you would have loved to do as a child that now you can do as an adult. That's such a beautiful way to honor that part of yourself, to show yourself that that part isn't gone, that you are still connected to that a little child inside of you and just allowing it to feel seen is really going to help allow you to create that sense of safety. And you can literally tell your inner child, like, I'm an adult now in your life and I'm going to show up for you. And that's so powerful. And something else I want to talk about when it comes to releasing emotions is actually doing an anger ritual, right? So a rage ritual is what they're often called. And and I also wrote a whole post on Instagram about how I've been letting out my anger and doing rage rituals recently. And with rage rituals, you can literally take like a baseball bat or a broomstick and just start beating your bed. You can punch your pillows. You can scream into your pillows, right? All of those classic things. As long as you are releasing your anger in a healthy way, it's not bad, right? So if you are punching a pillow in the privacy of your own bedroom, not bothering anyone else and allowing yourself to fully let out your rage and not be afraid of it, that is going to do so much for the anger that you are holding onto and is so much healthier than holding it in, holding it in, and then letting it out every time you have an argument with your partner, with your boss, with your kids, with whoever else, right? When you are holding it in and then releasing it on someone or letting it out in passive aggression and all these other factors, it's so much more hurtful. It's now actually involving other people and harming them. And beating your bed with a baseball bat is not, right? And so it's so strange how these 
more simple practices of understanding and unearthing your emotions have essentially been demonized while being passive aggressive is like the plot in half of our TV shows lately, right? Like you, we really have to think about what society has done to us in telling us what is wrong and right about, about our emotions. But again, rage rituals, I highly, highly recommend. I also recommend inner child work as I talked about. And I also want to talk about finally setting boundaries and why setting boundaries is so important. And the reason that it's so important is it is helping build that self-trust, right? So when you are able to tell someone, um, no, I don't want to meet there. No, I don't want to do this. No, I, um, these are my deal breakers. That is a way that you are creating that sense of safety with yourself. Again, you can be in the place where you set boundaries, but upholding them is a different battle. So a lot of us may be able to set the boundary like, hey, I, I don't want to even go on dates anymore with you if you're going to show up late to all of them, right? But then we can get ready go on this date, get all excited, we show up, they're supposed to meet us there, they end up texting us right when we get there, oh hey, I'm gonna be a little bit, you're sitting there for another 30 minutes, and then they finally show up, and then you have the date. So even though you stated that you were uncomfortable, you know, or that you didn't want to continue waiting for this person at the start of all of your dates, it can still be a boundary that you state that is then not upheld. So I just want to make that difference because creating a sense of safety in yourself is so paramount to being able to trust yourself. And when you trust yourself, you're no longer afraid of difficult situations or of someone breaking your boundaries because you have faith in yourself that you are going to do what it takes to uphold them, that you're not going to tolerate anyone crossing your boundaries, and that you have your own back when it comes down to it. And that is so so important because when we're afraid of the world, when we're afraid of relationships or afraid of our partner, we are willing to overlook all of these things that are important to us because we want them to still like us. We want them to still be in our lives. We're afraid, again, of losing that sense of safety and they provide us with that sense of safety for some reason. Even if they don't make us feel good, they make us feel familiar. Maybe they remind us of patterns of parents or caretakers in our past and that feels good to us. So again, we associate that with safety, even if it doesn't feel good, and then we feel feel like we need to be with this person so then we diminish our own boundaries which then continues to give them permission to you know do what they want to do and not face any consequences so what you want to do here is again just starting to ask yourself what are my boundaries what are my deal breakers what will make me feel safe in a relationship. And those are some really beautiful journal prompts so that you can start to get to know what you need and what safety looks like for you, especially in a relationship. And also, the more that you can cultivate your own sense of safety, the more that you will feel what genuine healthy safety feels like. And when you, you know what that feels like, then you can start to recognize it in a healthy partner. You can start to learn how to receive things. And also when it comes to learning how to receive in a relationship, that is such an important part of feeling safe. And that's a lot of what we talked about at the start of this podcast episode. So if you're in that space of figuring out how to receive from others, what you can also do is Ask your friends for help. Ask your family or your support system, other people in your life, if they can help you. Or maybe ask them, hey, I'm feeling kind of down today. Do you want to hang out? Do you think we can have a FaceTime call? And just allowing yourself to be a little bit vulnerable in that moment, allowing yourself to release control and have them potentially even say no, will give you a really good chance to actually have them turn around and say yes, and maybe even surprise you and actually be there for you. And by cultivating other relationships with friends or other people in your life who teach you that it's okay to receive, who make you feel okay about not always being in control, that's going to help kind of create that feedback loop of, I have actions in my life that now prove to me that I'm safe and that I can receive things from other people. And now I have this belief in my head starting to plant that I am safe and I can trust and believe and rely on other people. And then I'm seeing it in 
my life and now I'm believing it even more. And again, you create that idea in your mind that you then begin to recognize and recognize more and more. And eventually that becomes your reality, right? So, um, Asking yourself what those boundaries are is important, but again, making sure that you feel safe enough within yourself to uphold them, making sure that you feel that you can rely on your support system outside of that person that you are dating enough so that if you do have, you know, to break it off with this person that you're dating, or if something does happen and you have to break up from a relationship, that you have other people in your life who you can talk to or receive help from is also going to be really important in you, you know, sticking to those deal breakers because you're open to other people being in your life and giving you, you know, some level of care and support because we all need that. Again, also going back to that feeling of isolation and that need for connection that all humans have, we truly all need that. And opening yourself up to that outside of just romantic relationships will also help you expand that feeling of safety, right? So, so many of us, and this is how, you know, our society is set up. This is how, you know, colonization has created this sense of a nuclear family that didn't exist before. All of that goes into this, but it'll help separate your sense of safety from being intertwined in your romantic partner, right? And so many of us have friends long before and long after, you know, the people that we date, and but we don't look at them as necessarily just our sense of safety, right? It becomes this whole new thing that's interwoven with all of these romantic relationships. So giving yourself opportunities to let go of control, to open yourself up to receive and to do that with people who are not just your romantic partner will really expand the situations in which you feel safe and it'll also start to reprogram the stories that you already have about what safety is, who can take care of you, how they're allowed to take care of you, and opening that back up and also kind of returning back to our ancient roots of relying on a whole village, right? Having different people for different things, having a sense of community, all of that is very innate, again, to the human experience, like I said, about the example with humans and broken bones, right? We weren't meant to live in this isolation and only rely on one person for safety, yet our society really tries to convince us that that's normal or that that's the case. And for so long, humans have been doing the exact opposite of that. And so I think in a way, we kind of save up all of these insecurities and doubts from our childhood, and they only come out in romantic relationships. And a lot of those insecurities are things that we don't always open up to in in friendships. And so, um, and so that's why it's so important to allow yourself to receive love, receive support, receive gifts from friends and other people in your life other than just who you are potentially in a romantic relationship with. And then one final ritual, um, on top of the rage ritual that I wanted to offer is also coming up with kind of a a list doing some writing or just a bullet point list of all the things that you want to let go of and and burning it and this is actually a a legitimate ritual called a burning bowl ritual if you haven't heard of it this is something that a lot of people do and I actually have an entire YouTube video on it of myself doing it for the first time at home and so if you want to watch you are definitely welcome I will leave the YouTube link in the description so you can check that video out it was a really fun one but the reason that this can also help is that you are adding kind of a symbolic ritual or a symbolic action to all these ideas that you want to let go of, right? So you are saying that you want to let go of the limiting beliefs that were at the beginning of this video. You want to let go of the belief that you don't deserve a partner who loves you, that you don't deserve someone who is kind, that you have to do everything in order to be loved. And you can write all of that down or even do like a long form journal about everything you feel, everything you genuinely want to let go of, and then burn that shit, you know, let that shit go and just let that smoke go and ask for guidance, you know, after it's all burned up and gone away, you can ask for guidance and just say, what do I need in this moment in order to step forward? You can even journal to asking the future self, your your future self who is in a healthy relationship. You can ask 
her or him or them, what should I know? What do I need to know? What do I need to work on in order to get into this healthy relationship? You can ask your future self, you know, what was the most helpful thing that you did to find this person or to get into this relationship? And I love journaling to your future self or your higher self because it really does remind you that you truly do have all the answers and if you are interested in doing this this is kind of what I write at the top of my page to get ready for this kind of um, session so what I journal is dear higher self or dear future self whoever you want to connect to you could write dear future self please write to me through me any messages that I need to hear right now and so that's all I write at the top of the page. And sometimes I take a deep breath. Sometimes I close my eyes and just start writing. Um, but you will really start to kind of see some, some things come out and some things pop up. And again, don't judge anything that's coming up in this situation. It may not make sense to you yet, but it will eventually. And all of that information really is there to just help you kind of figure out where you can go from here, what you need to know, what you need to heal from. And so the journal prompts are a little bit all over the place in this podcast episode, but I did compile them into just a simple checklist that you can download for free if you want to refer to any of these journal prompts. And so the link for that checklist is going to be in the show notes below. And so the very last thing that I want to end this podcast episode on is some affirmations. So I'm going to go ahead and just start reading those affirmations now. I deserve a loving and devoted partner. Relationships are fun and rewarding. Dating is fun and easy. The energy and love I put into a relationship will be reciprocated. I am worthy of a healthy and loving relationship. I am deserving of a healthy and loving relationship. I can rely on the fact that my partner and I will work on our relationship together. I can depend on my partner. I look forward to depending on my partner. I am responsible for my actions, and I trust that my partner is responsible for theirs. I can always depend on my partner for support and encouragement. I deserve love. I am worthy of love. My partner is lucky to have me. I love love. I am excited to have a loving and respectful partner. I can't wait to love my partner. I always have the best relationships. I feel so loved and valued in my relationships. I trust my partner. I trust myself. I respect myself. My partner respects me. All right, so I hope that you enjoyed those affirmations, and something that you may have noticed is that a lot of the affirmations correspond to the limiting beliefs at the beginning, so a lot of them are actually direct opposites of the statements and the limiting beliefs at the beginning of this episode, and why that is so important is because that is actually how you work and address limiting beliefs, right? You find the limiting belief, but then you make it a conscious action to replace that limiting belief with a thought that is much more helpful and a thought that is aligned with what you want to believe. So while it's important to do work in unearthing where the limiting beliefs came from, it's important to do some journaling and figure out what is contributing to the limiting belief and maybe what is even triggering it when you are out and about in the world or what kind of situations trigger it. But it's also important to, while you're doing that, rebuild that thought with a new thought, right? It's going to be harder to just make a thought go away. But if you can replace that limiting belief with a new belief that is much more positive, much more inspiring, and much more aligned with truth, then you can start to really consciously shift your mindset. So I just wanted to give you one quick example so you kind of know what I'm talking about. So the first limiting belief that I talked about was, I do not deserve a loving partner. And the first affirmation I said was, I deserve a loving partner. 
And so again, you can take these negative beliefs and these hurtful beliefs, these limiting beliefs, and switch them into a more positive belief. So while you are unearthing and unrooting, you're also replanting and rebuilding. And that's really what helps the mind shut mindset shifts stick. <laughs> That's what helps them stick and form and take place is creating this new belief, this new world, finding evidence for that new belief in the real world and kind of using that to grow and take shape. All right, so this was a little bit of a longer episode than I anticipated, but it was a really, really juicy and beautiful one. So thank you so, so much to the listener, if you are listening, for submitting this question, and I really hope that this podcast episode helped you. And if you do have any questions or would like to talk to me about this podcast episode, please feel free to continue our DMs on Instagram. And to everyone else who is listening, again, if you do have a question or if there's anything else that you want me to know or to kind of talk about, then feel free to again DM me on Instagram. My Instagram link will be in the show notes or you can send me an email. My email is also going to be in the show notes. And finally, I also want to mention my three-month coaching program. I'm not asking. I am so, so excited to talk about this. So it is three months of one-on-one -on -one coaching, 12 sessions, email access in between. You get personalized meditations and all of our live coaching calls. You get real life access to me to talk about your limiting beliefs, your struggles, everything that you're going through. That email access is in between all of our coaching sessions for the entire three months so that you have all of the support you need. You get journal prompts, affirmations, visualizations. You get all of my juicy, beautiful experience as a coach put together into this in-depth offering. It is the most in-depth offering that I have and the most in-depth offering that I've ever put out into the world. So I am so, so excited to meet my clients. There's only four sacred spots for this three-month coaching program because we really do go deep. I can only do that with four people at a time right now. So it is going to be so impactful. I also use tools like NLP. I will teach you how to do EFT or emotional freedom technique, which is also known as tapping. So there are so many beautiful tools and rituals that I can show you and teach you, but I also will not push you to do anything that you are not ready for. So whether you are the person who just loves to do some personal growth journaling, or whether you are the person that is into NLP and into tapping and ready to learn that, there is definitely a medium in here for you. And because this is a one-on-one -on -one program, because we're working together for three months, this is so individualized and so personalized. There's no like curriculum that I write beforehand or any sort of weekly themes. This is all about you, your process, where you are in your coaching and your healing right now. And I just cannot wait to get in there to really take you to the next level of believing in yourself and being just so absolutely confident and so in love with yourself. Like, that should be a good thing. I don't know when that became a bad thing, but I want all of us to love ourselves so fucking deeply and... I cannot wait to be the healer, coach, and guide that is able to kind of bridge you to that new version of yourself. So so if you want to read more about the program, learn more about me and my coaching style, all of that information is going to be available at my website where I did a detailed page all about I'm not asking. And if you already know you want to apply, then the application form is also going to be in the show notes as well. So you can learn more or submit your application form right now and and the application process will just be a starting point to figure out what you want to work on what you are looking forward to in terms of working with me and it will also help us both determine if we are still going to be a good fit together and just so you know the application form will not lock you into the program it's just a way for us to get to know more about each other figure out what you want from coaching give a space for you to ask me any questions that you have. So if you are interested, but you're not fully 100% committed, don't worry, you can still apply through the application form. And then we can always go from there. So I hope that that all sounds good to you. Again, the form is where you can leave me any questions if you have them. If you want to just email me about the podcast itself, then again, feel free to do so through my Instagram DMs or through the email. Everything is linked in the show notes. And thank you so, so much as always for listening. I love you all so, so very much. 
Thank you and happy healing. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider leaving a review on the Apple Podcast app or sharing it with someone who you think would benefit from it. 